So I have a video I want y'all to watch. It has to do with my sermon, and I think you will love it. And pay attention, it's really good. So hit play. It's Franklin, not Franklin Graham, um, Jensen Franklin. Say something. There's this, there's this little chapter in there in the book that I talk about restoration, and I just felt that so strong when you said that. And <clears throat> this is a true story, Jim. Um, a guy by the name of Steve Wynn, who is a famous developer in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. He's built the Bellagio and all the great hotels there, the Wynn's, and he's, many give him credit for kind of bringing back Vegas. That's right. And uh, he, he bought a painting, it's a true story. He, he bought a painting, a Picasso, uh, back in 1991 for $50 million. And it was called Le Rêve, which is French for the dream. A painting called The Dream. Wow. And he would hang it in the lobbies of his hotels because he loved it and he had an emotional attachment to it. This is his own words. Mm. Because it represented his life in the dream. Yes. And he would hang it in the hotels of, 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 uh, of where he was mm-hmm. and all the hotels that he had. Well, five years later, an investor from New York called him and said, I want to buy the dream. I want to <laughs> offer you $139 million for it. He paid $50 million. He, so he sold it five years later. And to celebrate, he had a huge party in Vegas at one of his hotels. All of the wealthiest, famous movie stars, they flew in to say goodbye to the dream. While he was up talking, true story, while he was up talking, he has an eye disease, he lost his balance, and he almost fell, and he put his arm out, and his arm went through the painting that was on an easel behind him. It destroyed the painting, so much so that the investor said, I withdraw my check. I do not want that painting. The dream is torn I mean, if you're a preacher, you, you know oh, where I'm yeah. going. All day long. The dream is, yeah. is tattered. It's yeah. worthless. Yes. But Steve Wynn loved that painting so much, he searched the world, went to Europe, and found what he called a, 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 um, a, a surgeon of art. Yes. Brought yes. him in, and it took, listen to this, talk about restoration. One year of working on the tear. And when he got through... It was so remarkable that when you looked at the front of the painting, you could not tell. The greatest experts could not tell. When you looked at the back, if they could see inside what Mm. had happened. But Mm. here's the point. This is what's remarkable. The same investor who said, it's worthless, it's trash, the dream is torn and tattered and worthless, called Steve Wynn back. And even though he offered him $139 million before it was torn, after it was restored, he offered him $155 million. <laughs> It was worth more after it had been torn and devastated. Oh. You're worth more after you've been restored oh, than right. you were before you went through what yeah. you Yeah. I will God. restore the years the canker worm and the locusts have taken from you. And when God gets through with you, yeah. you'll be more valuable right. than you were because of what you went through, because of the tears that you prayed and the trials that you went through mm-hmm. and the faith that had to be developed in that fiery furnace. Mm-hmm. God says, I'll use all of that 
to make you more valuable for my glory and to the kingdom. And I, I, I really believe okay. that that is what God is doing in people's lives. Yeah. When he allows our dreams to be torn, yeah. our marriages to be tattered, yeah. our, our, our life turns into a nightmare, we don't quit. Right. We don't give up. Right. That's it. Everything That's right. you're dreaming for is on the other side of yes. not giving up. Right. Don't you give up. Don't give up. There's acres of diamonds ahead of you. Isn't that good? That speaks volumes, doesn't it? Um, we're gonna, I want to talk about something tonight, but before we get started, let's talk a little bit about what he just said. Because in our camp, we don't talk a lot. We don't use terms like God did it. We use terms like God allowed it. But all of us have been through stuff. We've all been there. And yet, God is not done with us because we went through it. We're actually better because of it. And remember I made this statement to you the other day talking to my grandkids, and, I, and I'm kind of hoping that they're not, don't get mad at me for saying it, but I have looked at, at some of them and said, you know, if I was you, I'd ask me questions. And I said, they don't ask because they don't think that I know anything. But, but, but let me tell you something, just being a Christian, just... Just living this long, you and I have learned things that make us better than we were. And I'm smarter than I was. I'm wiser than I was. I don't make the same dumb mistakes. And so, uh, so my sermon is, our best days are ahead. And I say that, and I want you to understand that God's not done with you because you had failures. It's probably good and I've had the Lord put me places, and I told Lisa this morning about a job that I had. When I went to work on that all-black crew, now I'm not here to be racist, it's just that growing up in a white neighborhood, a white boy, I didn't have a lot of ethnic friends, I didn't have a lot of black friends, and they gave me, but it was the first time I ever worked anywhere where they didn't like me. God was getting me ready to do a job where there would be people coming in the door that didn't like me. I know you don't believe that. There's a, couple in, there's a couple in here every Sunday morning, not very many. They don't last long. But anyway, but you know, anytime you do anything in life, you're going to be around people that don't like you or you're going to be in different circumstances, situations, and God will put you places. And those are the times that you go, what are you doing? When you come out of it, my brother-in-law was a Marine, and this was back when Paris Island was rough, right pre-nom. He said, I wouldn't go back for a million dollars and go through it again. I wouldn't take a million for what I learned because that, they kept me alive. And there were men that didn't come out of Paris Island. They, now that's not something everybody knows. They didn't make the training. I mean, there's just... It back in the day, it was a lot more brutal. I think God uh, takes us places that we, you know, we, we, we sit back and we look, what was that for? Later, we look back and go, wow, did I learn something. Yeah. So our best days are ahead of us. Your best days are ahead of you. God is not done with you. But I'm going to talk to, about something that you and I must do. So Philippians chapter 3. So let me, on, on that note, I want to tell you a story before I talk. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about your past. 
We're going to talk about forgiveness, and we're going to talk about moving forward. We're going to talk about three things tonight. Overcoming your past, forgiveness of yourself, and moving forward. Years ago, uh, when I flew a lot, um, matter of fact, this was the time I actually took Barbara and the youth to an island and dropped them off in an Aztec. Do you remember when we took off, the door popped open on that airplane? Yeah, you remember that. You're, just forgive me right now, just while you're sitting there. Just airplane, the door popped open on the airplane and snatched the yoke out of my hand. But I was trained, and we landed. And um, it's, it's, very, it's, it's very rough to do. It's very difficult to do because you got to go into, you got to take. The first thing you have to do is take your power and pull it all off because the power is, is killing you. You say, you, got, you pulled your engines to idle? Yes. And you better, you better believe that you can do that. And then we pulled the door shut, someone held it, and I gave it only enough power to come around and land. Because anything at full, full power would have killed us. So I landed the plane, we closed the door, found out what happened to the latch, and then we took off. Everybody was very quiet <laughs> that whole trip. You remember Jill gave everybody Dramamine, they all fell asleep. During that flight, um, Betty's mother passed away, and I had to come home, and I left them there. And I took off in the Aztec. It's a twin-engine airplane, 250-horsepower motor. Her carries six people, twin-engine, small plane. And I'm, I left um, the island we were on and flew into Nassau because you got to go through customs. And then after I went through customs, flew to America. So when I'm coming into customs, they told me I had a 747 on my tail. Well, actually, if that had happened now, I would say, I don't care. That's your problem. But I allowed them to push me. I land, you land an airplane, an Aztec, at 105 miles an hour. I'm coming in hot, and they wanted me to get off at the first taxiway. Well, you can't turn an airplane off at 105 miles an hour without a big area. And I hit a taxi light with a prop and destroyed the engine, tore the prop to pieces tore the engine up to be, parked the airplane, took a, an, an airliner home, and I, cut, I can't remember how y'all guys got home. I don't remember. But when I got, I finally, I finally uh, fixed the airplane enough to fly it home, brought it home. The owner gave me a piece of his mind. You could see that. So I'm feeling real bad and I told a friend of mine that I was flying with, I said, you know, I may have a hard time renting airplanes. And he looked me right in the eye and said, you can fly mine. I said, why would you do that? He said, let me tell you something. You've been to school. He said, you're a better pilot now than you have ever been in your life. He said, you will never let anybody push you. You will never let them rush you. You will fly the airplane. And, he, and he's right. You know, it's those times in your life where you do something real stupid, and it's on your soul. You don't do it anymore. Lisa, sometimes my wife, she gets upset at me because I always leave everywhere a half hour early. And she said, why do you do that? I said, because I'm old enough to have been in traffic jams. You. you know, there's a, you go through things in life and after a while you learn 
just leave home, take a book, but don't, well, well, we could get there at this time. Yeah, we could. Well, well, we do most of the time. Yeah, most of the time we do. But that's those times when you get out on, on the interstate and it's backed up and you're going to miss your flight because you're trying to get there right on time. Well, that's, that's age. Age does that. Our, our, how long we've been around. There are things I do and I don't do anymore because I'm 68 and I've been there, done that, and bought the T-shirt. So my friend looked at me and said, you can fly my, any t- my airplane anytime you want to. He said, you're a better pilot today. The things we've been through have made us better, whether you want to admit it or not. Now, you also can't allow those things to stop you from moving forward. Thank you. Y'all went quiet on me. You can't allow fear to keep you from flying. You can't allow fear. You, so you made a mistake. Big deal. Don't allow that to stop you. So what happens when people get older? Kenneth Hagin said, your brain is like concrete, thoroughly mixed and well set. It's almost like older people stop dreaming. You know, could we actually enjoy after 68? Yes. So my boys say this to me in your day, and I, and I always stop them when they say it, and I say, I'm not dead. I don't know what you mean in your day. It, I might have a 68-year-old body, but I'm a kid. Thank y'all. I mean, I don't know anybody else in here but me and this young man right here. But I mean, I, I don't think old. But I also have had to learn that I'm not going to allow the stuff that has happened to hinder forward. And I have had stuff, I have had times when I stopped doing certain things completely because of the fear of failure or because I screwed up. And the devil takes advantage of you. And we're going to deal with that tonight. Amen. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 not that I have already attained or I've already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ has laid hold of me. Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended. Honey, I ain't arrived yet, but I've left. I'm not where I was, but I'm not like I used to be either. You know, people talk about what I did. You know, one of the things that Mark Hankins uh, went home one day and he was talking to his father. Now listen to this story about his upbringing and how his father and mother had made mistakes. How many of you know we all made mistakes? And so his father looked at him and said, Mark, we don't go there. Good advice. Because if you're going to get on to me, then I'm going to have to get on to my father and his. Where does it all stop that I'm now a product of my upraising? Listen, at some point, yes, we were a product of our upbringing, yes. But at some point, we entered into adulthood, get over it, suck it up, and grow up, and, and, and be responsible that if you don't like the way you were raised, change. Nobody in my family went to church. I'm the first. I'm the first in my family to darken the door of a church. I'm the first minister in our family. 
And yet now because of me, my whole family is in church. I changed the culture of the Morgan. I mean, we went Christmas and Easter. We were CEO Christians, okay? And yet, and that was the that was the Morgan legacy. But you, but know what? I, I, you know, I found out I'm a new creation, and I found out that I have a new father, and the old one doesn't control what happens to me. And I made up my mind that everything that my mother and father caused in me, I'm changing that. And so you can too. So at some point, we're going to have to, some point you're going to have to forgive the people that got you where you are or messed you up. But what about yourself? What about the stuff you did? Yeah, I mean, all of us, if we, you know, we all got skeletons in our closet. I went to the jail one day, and I was preaching to all the guys in prison. And before I left, I looked at him, and I said, you know the difference between me and you? And he says, no. I said, you got caught. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. But, you know, we've all done some stuff that if they knew about it, uh, we might be doing time. You know, like the time they chased me with dogs all night. The goodness of God on a sinner. I, I tried everything I saw Cool Hand, cool hand Luke do. It didn't work. And the sun came up in the morning. They pulled dogs off me. Oh, God, took, took a week to get splinters out of my backside. One night when dog was after me and I'm running through the woods. Now, you know, when you're running at night, you're not really paying attention to where you're going. And there's gullies in Georgia that come through the fields and the woods. And it makes a big cavern that's like, you know, 15 feet wide and about 10 feet deep. And all of a sudden you find yourself falling. And you land between two rocks in a creek bed. And you're like, thank you, Jesus. And you get up and take off because the dogs are still on you. And, you, and when later you look back and go, you were taking care of me then, you know. Um, but uh, I had a prayer meeting that night. I did. Next week I was in church. Um, if they'd have caught me, I was already on probation for a, a felony, and, and if they'd have caught me, I'd, I, would, I would have gone away. And I, I made up my mind, you won't catch me. I had to hide my 44 Magnum in a creek. And I just ran, ran through briars, ran through woods. You know, woo, woo is not a good sound. <laughs> but you know, I'm a good boy. I got to tell you one more story. Like, this is just funny. This is funny. I, I, I applied for a job at Skaggs or Albertsons. What is it here? Albertsons here. Skaggs. Skaggs, Albertson used to be one, and then they split up. They went in and they wanted me to do a lie detector test. Now, I'm a youth pastor. And on the lie detector test, it said, is anyone after you? And I thought about it and I went, no. And it went, liar. And the man said, will you explain this? And I went, well, I had a thought. I don't know if anybody is after me. And he says, and I had to explain. And he said, you want me to rephrase the question? I said, would you? And the next one said, I told the truth. So I'm past it, got the job. But I thought, that thing picked up my words and all my perspiration. I mean, everything in my body went, wow. When he asked me, is anybody looking for you? I'm thinking, I hope not. <laughs> anyway, I got asked to leave a city. And so anyway, y'all know, y'all know. So. He says right here, let's start. 
Forget the things that are behind. Uh, let me tell you something. Smith Wigglesworth said this, never look back if you want the power of God in your life. You have to quit looking back. And, and this is something that you're going to have to get ready for. Satan is going to bring up to your soul everything you've ever done. And that right there may become one of your biggest hindrances. But I want to show you how to overcome that. Are you ready? All right. Let's look at a, let's look at a scripture here, Isaiah 43. Go to Isaiah. Park, put, put your blue duber flop at little thing right there. We're coming back to the scripture. Isaiah 43, um, verse 25. One of the blessings of the Bible, one of the blessings from God is God has the uncanny ability to forgive you and forget it like it never happened. And the only one that is really remembering it is you. But now you're going to have to get to where you're not thinking about it. I want you to look at 43, verse 18. Go to 18 first, and I'm sorry. Yeah, it's on my paper. I don't know if you picked this up or not. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. I want you to remember the lesson you learned. But forget what you did because God doesn't remember it either. Amen. Forget it. Don't remember the former things, nor consider the things. Behold, and he's talking to you, I'm doing a new thing. Now will it not spring forth? Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and a river in the desert. In other words, your past is not hindering God from giving you a future. Amen. Say, my best days are ahead of me. Now go down to verse 25. I even I am him that blots out your transgressions for my own sake, not for your sake, but for his sake, I will not remember your sins. Aren't you, ex listen, doesn't that excite you that God loves us and he wants you and I to have a good life and I'm gonna read something to you in a minute and I, and I, that any time you think God is mad at you, you are not gonna walk with him. You won't pray. You don't read your Bible. You lose all interest in Christianity because you have this mindset that he's upset because everyone around you is upset and you're upset, but he isn't. I'm going to read it again because Don Sharp wants me to. I am he who blots out your transgression for my own sake. I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you can be acquitted. In other words, he wants you to open up your Bible and say, Heavenly Father, can I read something to you? You said you forgave me, and you said you forgot it. And I'm going to start living my life like you don't know anything about yesterday. Uh, we got another one here. I mean, I'm just getting cranked up. Isaiah 54. 54, oh, 14. In righteousness, 
you shall be established. Not your righteousness, his. You didn't earn it. You didn't do anything to get it. It's a gift. He gave you the gift of righteousness. His death was your death. His resurrection was your resurrection. God did not raise Jesus from the dead until you were redeemed. Once your sin was paid, that's when he raised him from the dead. Easter's coming up, and we're going to get into this a little bit more. But, the, but Easter is not about Jesus rising from the dead. Easter is about you rising from the dead. That means that your past is gone, your future is good, and for eternity and eternity, God's going to treat you because he gave you his righteousness, and that's a perfect righteousness. Come on. So in righteousness, you're established. That is the thing that establishes your life so you can have a good life. Let's move on. I don't know how I got so excited all of a sudden. It says, you will be far from oppression and you shall not fear and from terror it will not come near you. Indeed, they will surely assemble. It is not because of me and whoever assembles against you will fall. In other words, the whole world can have a big problem right now. There can be a war in the Ukraine, a war over in the, in the China Sea, and a war in Israel, and I'm sleeping at night. Ain't coming in my house, ain't coming near me. I got a covenant with Almighty God. All right, let's just get excited a little bit. <laughs> now, where, where does oppression, where does depression come from? Where does it come from? It's coming from what you are thinking about. Well, you're either thinking about your screw up or you're thinking about the goodness of God. You're going to have to make a choice one day on which one you're going to sit around and think about. And I mean, the Bible calls it fight a good fight of faith because sometimes it's a fight to start thinking on the, I'm going to lay here in my bed and I'm going to think on the goodness of God. Sometimes I lay down and I go, God loves me. He just loves me. He just loves me. He just loves me. I mean, sometimes you just got to holler out loud and just make yourself think real good thoughts. Every once in a while, I'll be thinking, I'll be talking, and Lisa will look at me and go, don't go dark. Don't tell me, y'all. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. You know, we'll be talking about somebody. We'll be talking good about this person, this person, and I'll have a thought. And you remember so-and-so? That person did me wrong. She's going, don't go dark. Have a good thought. Leave them alone. Get over it. Forgive them. Suck it up. Shut up. Let's talk about the good thing now. And, and you know, I have a good wife. Thank God. You, you just need a good wife. That's what your problem is. <laughs> go, <laughs> go to Hebrews 8. Go to Hebrews 8. Hebrews 8, 12. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. A new covenant he has made, the first one obsolete. He made it obsolete, and he said, I will not remember your sins any longer. Now, you know, somebody said something to me one day. We were eating at Panera Bread, and they said, you, you remember when Jesus died on the cross? And I said, yeah, I was there. 
You know, that's an odd thing for people to hear with their ears. But I was crucified with him. I died with him. I rose from the dead with him. I was in Christ. I'm in Christ now. I was there. Amen. 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 You know, it's good to learn. To, it's, learn it's good to teach yourself to think that way. Um, um, Hebrews 10, 14. Just turn the page. 10, 14. For by one offering, he perfected. Are you serious? Say, I'm perfect. Look at your wife and say, I'm perfect. Come on, come on, come on. I'm not even going to look at you. Look at him and say, amen, baby. For by one offering, he's perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit witnesses that after he said, this is my covenant that I will make with those after the days, I'll put my laws in their heart and their mind. And he says, in their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember them no more. And where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, having boldness to enter the holiness by the blood of Jesus. Walk right on in anytime we want to walk right on in. Now, the Bible says we overcome Satan by the blood and the word. If you're having problems, I'm going to tell you what, you're not putting the word in your mouth. Put the word in your mouth. Put the word in. Take that word and read it to the devil. Read that to, hey, devil, have you read this today? Someone said, the devil bothered me. Hey, read the Bible to him. He will leave your house. I'm doing, I'm having so much fun. I'm just having so much fun. And uh, Isaiah 118, pop it on the screen. I don't want to turn there in my Bible. Just put it on the screen. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be as wool. Listen, so Psalm 103, 12, put it on, 11 and 12, put it on screen, put it on screen. As far as the, as far as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. Say me. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Now, if he said north and south, you'd be in trouble. Because if you go north, after a while, you're heading south. But if you go west and your sin went east, You'll never see it again because east never meets west. You'll never see your past again. It's gone. I like it. All right. <laughs> I'm going to read out a blood covenant book. Why not? There are pieces of books that I read over and over and over again. And this is one of them, and I marked it in here, and I just want to spend a few minutes because it's so powerful. Just these, these two or three pages are just so full of good, of glory. Another definition of righteousness is the ability to stand before God without a sense of sin, guilt, or inferiority. Say, I'm righteous. I'm righteous. Say, no guilt, no sin. Sin has no dominion over me. You don't even have a sin nature. You know, the last time you had an immoral thought wasn't coming from you. 
Just don't act on it. Just tell the devil, <laughs> that wasn't me. All right. In other words, there is no consciousness of sin. Sin consciousness destroys faith. Did you know what's destroying the average church member's faith? Sin consciousness. If God's not conscious of it, why are you? When the boys were growing up, they did not have a consciousness of sin in our home. They used my refrigerator anytime they wanted to. None of the boys ever said, would you talk to Father for me? Never dawned on him. Why do we do it? Would you pray for me? He's your daddy. He don't have no favorites. He loves you just as much as he does Kenneth Copeland. Joyce Myers. Gloria Copeland. Smith Wigglesworth. Andrew Walman. God don't got no favorite kids. This is good. You liking this? Double your tithe. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm just mean. That's just meanness. <laughs> that is why the devil is called the accuser of the brethren. He likes to bring up your past, and he will bring up something you've done or something you should have done and didn't do. You say, well, Lord, I'm going to pray more. When you get finished, the devil goes, you could have prayed longer. Yeah. <laughs> I've been down here for three hours. Yeah, but you know, Brother Hagen prayed five. It's called danged if you do and danged if you don't, you know. Did you know that man can never measure up? You know, you'll never measure up. Not just in what he did that he shouldn't have done, but what he did which he should not have done. The devil's always got something to bring up so you don't measure up. Sin consciousness destroys faith and is a product of religion. However, righteousness consciousness is the product of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Christ is a revelation of righteousness. That means that as a born-again believer, you can stand before God without a sense of sin, guilt, or inferiority. Everybody runs a little bit of a guilt temperature. Everybody is aware they're imperfect. But how do you overcome it? By meditating on the Word of God. By meditating on Jesus. Don't meditate on the problem. Don't meditate on your past. We're going to talk in a minute about forgiving yourself. We're going to get over there. We've got to do this. I didn't do enough. I should have done. I could have done. Psychologists have said if we could get rid of guilt we would get rid of 80% of our patients. Well, I'm going to read something. I'm going to get ahead of myself. All drug abuse, all um, drinking, all of the wild behavior, the root of it is sin consciousness. You're, you're talking to your kids wanting them to straighten up. Why don't you tell them, why don't you sit down and tell them how much Jesus loves them? 
Listen, Jesus met a woman caught in adultery and he said, I don't condemn you. And then he said, you can stop now. She said, where's my accuser? Where are your accusers? The only one who had the right to was, was Jesus. And he didn't. We live in an age of grace. Use it. He's given you a long time. <laughs> you say, I hadn't arrived yet. You still have time left. I'm not saying that you have to be perfect when you, when you die. It's just that if you're wanting to clean up, you've got some time to do it. And you can do it from victory. The source of depression and most mental problems is a sense of guilt and shame. No matter what happened, whether it was your fault or someone else's, the devil will somehow manage to make sure you feel bad about it. It may be things or people you don't even know. The devil is constantly trying to produce guilt because sin consciousness destroys faith. Let's talk about people now for a minute. Let's just talk about something. Every one of us want to be liked and accepted. But we live in a society that doesn't do well at that. Are you all out there? Even ministers, when we get together, everybody wants to know how many people you're running. Am I doing better than you? Or are you doing better than me? What for? I went down to Venezuela and I was preaching at a church of a thousand people. Now listen, in Venezuela you can gather a thousand people just because you open a door. In America, not so. You have a church of this size. This is an oddity in the U.S. This church being here this long, having this many people come to it, is not normal. So that's that's a better church than one in Venezuela running a thousand. I know y'all may disagree with that. That's fine. So the lady says, how many people are you running? I didn't answer her question. I, I, I said, seven billion. She said, how did you come up with that? I said, T.L. Osborne told me I was a pastor everywhere I went. There's seven billion people on the earth, and that's my church. And she laughed, and I laughed, and I didn't answer her question. Because I don't want in her mind... I'm better than you. She, she didn't know squat. I preached in her church and got people born again, filled with the Holy Ghost and healed that had been there. And I mean, they needed to hear me. Thank y'all. That was a good place for y'all to say amen. It would have made me feel real good. But I'm not going to get in your boat with you on what you think about me based on numbers or my age or anything. I had to make up a long time ago, I have to like, I like me. Kenneth Copeland said, if you don't like me, you don't know me. <laughs> if you knew me, you'd like me. So if, if, if you don't like you, nobody else is ever going to like you. And if you're, if you're getting your worth from what people think, you're a mess now. I worked at Philip Crosby and Associates and Where's Rosa? Everybody there talked about college, 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 college. And they said, where'd you go to school? I went Raymond and went. Pfft. And I'm like, really? No, that's the finest Bible school on planet Earth. 
And that's the elite of the elite for God to send you out there. But I'm not expecting them to know that. But I didn't get my worth from them. Because I didn't go to some, what's it? What the Sam Hill does it cost to go to one of those schools now? A lot? Okay. Never mind. I don't want to get on that bandwagon right now. I, I'm doing too good to go, go negative. <laughs> but you're going to have to walk through this earth. Jesus knew who he was. Do you know who you are? I say this sometimes to people, and I always get a reaction, but I'm not doing it for a reaction. I'm doing it because I, I, I had to learn a long time ago that, that I, I had to come up with God made me. I am a new creation. I am his workmanship, and he don't make junk. Amen. So I would walk up, and I'd say, hi, uh, my name's Daryl Morgan. I said, it's good that you met me. And people go, I don't believe you said that. Why not? I'm trying to give you the fact that um, you met someone important. I didn't say he wasn't. I said, it's good that I met you too. Amen. Say, I like me. <laughs> Sin consciousness makes you not want to talk to God. Because you know that he knows and we know when everybody knows. <laughs> you might think, I don't want to pray. Because you feel you're disqualified or unworthy. You really have no expectation of blessing. Sin consciousness leaves you in a state of continuing to try to be accepted by God. That's where legalism comes from. Everybody's trying. It's not about the blood. It's not about Jesus. But if Jesus has made you perfect, you can start, get, you can get excited right now. If he made us righteous, we can get excited right now. And we're not climbing the ladder. He placed us, he placed us on that fence post. Amen. Okay, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Where did I stop reading? Psychologists say that in a threat environment, communication is corrupted. In other words, in order to establish clear communication, the threat must be removed. That's why arguing with your spouse doesn't work. I'm going to tell you this, and I told Lisa, I will never change because you holler. I don't even care whether I'm wrong. I ain't changing because that means I got to bow to you. And I know I'm wrong, but I ain't changing. You, you know, we had, Lisa and I, years and years ago, we, we, we got tired of being broke, got tired of being sick. And we looked at each other and said, I looked at Lisa and I said, are you tired of being sick? She said, yep. Yeah. I said, are you tired of being broke? I said, let's quit fighting. And we did. And we just quit fighting. All you have to do is just quit. I said, when you're talking, I will listen. Whether I agree or not, I will listen. And when you're talking, when I'm talking, I want you to listen. And we just, and we did it. And we've had a couple of instances where it got, the voice went a couple octaves. And, and, we, and it, both of us have gone, we don't do that. Okay, 
because because you you've lost once you start screaming neither one of you remember what it is you were talking about I learned that from Lisa and I'm going to tell you where I learned it when she'd leave the room she'd go you're just angry I went not that, that's how did we get how do we lose what I was trying to say because you're trying to say it too loud I'm pretty smart. I can learn. Just takes a few little bit of time. And just but it's amazing how much you'll learn if you just listen. Yeah. How do we get on marriage? We just you know. guilt and shame leave you feeling unworthy with no confidence toward God. In order to restore us to perfect fellowship. God had to prove his love while we were sinners. Christ died for you, and through the blood, the blood of the cross, clear communication was established. God had to do something to remove the guilt and produce a righteousness consciousness so he could restore perfect fellowship with you and him. And very few people ever accept or receive that kind of righteousness. Say, I'm righteous. Some, now, there's people who have a hard time saying that. I wouldn't say that. It's a gift. Amen. He placed you on top. Now, listen to me. Now you can start working. You're not earning anything. Now you can work. God is not. That's why people like Andrew Womack are always saying God's not mad anymore. I wish he wouldn't say that because I've seen a couple people he was upset with. But anyway, he's talking about the fact that because of the cross, he's not mad at you. He's not, a, he's not angry with you for your sin. Okay, okay. I, I know for a fact that he got mad at Brother Hagin one time. And I know he got mad at me once. He didn't kick me out of the kingdom anyway, so... Then you can say, I expect God's best blessing because I'm right with God. Now, Romans 8, 33. Who can lay a charge to God's elect? It's God who made you righteous. Who is he who's condemning you? It was Christ who died and rather rose from the dead, seated at the right hand of God who's now making intercession for you. If Jesus is for you, who can be against you? It really doesn't matter. Now, you understand something. Anytime that you are around people, and they're not doing well. In order for them to feel good about themselves, they've got to find fault with you. And that justifies their bad behavior. Well, you do this. Well, that's not why you're the way you are. You're the way you are because that's the way you want to be. So blowing out somebody's candle doesn't make yours brighter. You don't know how long it took me to learn that? Good Lord. They, they couldn't blame God, so they just decided to attack me, and I did not know what to do with that. Who's going to bring a charge against you now? It was God who justified. In other words, because of the blood and his righteousness, the highest court in the land has said you are not guilty. 
that's good. You've not only been declared not guilty, but every charge has been dropped. Human behavior is interesting. Have you ever sat at the mall or Walmart? I read a thing the other day. It says, I went to Walmart and I couldn't find what I wanted, so I had to go home and take my pajamas off and go to Target. I call them Walmartians. The weirdest people in the world go to Walmart, and they don't care how they dress. Okay, why do people dress the way they do? Poke holes in their body and pull crazy stunts. It is interesting to watch people and wonder why they do what they do. Here in a Christian psychologist, Marinith Meyer, said of human behavior, shame is at the root of all self-defeating behavior. When people begin to feel worthless, they don't need the devil to kill them. They will kill themselves. Anytime you find an addiction, whether it's eating, drugs, spending, or approval, you'll always find shame, and shame is at the root of all addiction. How are you going to get rid of your shame? If the gospel of Jesus can get rid of the root of shame, it can change your behavior. Faith in the blood of Jesus will bring a righteousness consciousness that'll change the direction of your life. It'll change the way you think and the way you talk. T.L. Osborne, when I asked Kevin what book he was reading when he was in his 80s, said he's still reading Kenyon, Righteousness. Now, if he's still reading it, do you need to? A man that has won more people to the Lord than any human that's ever walked the earth is still studying righteousness and reading books on it. That's when I decided I'm probably going to start reading more of them myself. Amen. Let's talk about the next one. Go to Matthew 18. The next one is to forgive yourself. I found out, and I won't go into elaborate because I know that some of you little busybodies want me to tell you all the dirty details, and I'm not going to do it. Yeah, you, Don Sharper, one of the worst. Matthew 18. Not really. He's not. Actually, Don Sharp is a fun-loving guy. He's happy almost all the time. If he's not, he's asleep. Matthew 18, 21. <laughs> Peter came and said, How often shall I sin? My brother sinned against me, and I forgive him. Seven times? What about number eight? I'm going to knock him out. I have asked this question myself. How long do I have to put up with this? Look at his answer, and I'm going to tell you why you want him to say this. I don't say seven times, but seven times 70. Do the math. So I'm going to ask you a question. Now, you may be looking and thinking, do I have to forgive someone that much? You're going to want to because that's how many times a day God will forgive you. And that gets rid of the devil saying, that's the third time today. You're going back in the throne room to again? Yeah, I got 400 and... <laughs> Was it 80 or 90? I don't know. The... I, got, I, got, I, I got a whole lot more grace here, and the, and the sun will go down before I screw up that much, and his mercies are new every morning. Glory to God. 
But I read that because I want you to understand something, not for the sake of other people, but your own self. The devil wants to bring up stuff you're doing to hinder you. But I mean, you can just go to God and go, again, one, first John 1, 9, forgive me, and he, forget it. I, I gotta tell you a story. I love it when Copeland, Kenneth Copeland screws up. I love it when the big dogs mess up. Because it gives me hope. But Kenneth and Gloria were on a, headed to a crusade and he's flying his airplane and he's trying to teach Gloria to fly. Kenneth is quite the perfectionist. Very much a perfectionist. If he says you're leaving at 401, you're leaving at 401. Even if you're in the parking lot, he's leaving. So Gloria, he's up there trying to teach her to fly and they get in an argument. She gets up and says, fly your airplane yourself, buddy. And she went and sat in the back. Well, he's up there by himself. They're headed to preach. (laughs) He's in a fight on the way to preach. Aren't you glad he's got 1 John 1, 9? He, He just stopped and went, I'm wrong. Father, forgive me. And get up in that pulpit as though he had done no wrong. Can you and I do that? Say it better. Say it better. Say yeah again. Come on. Yeah. You bet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not giving you a license to sin. I'm giving you a license to run. See, you're you're not going to live for God if you don't run with God. And you're not going to run with God if you're guilty. You need to get guilt off. You need to get shame off you. And God, I told God one time, I said, you knew I was messed up when you got me. <laughs> yeah, you and I both. All right. Ephesians 4.32. Let's go over there. Now here, here Don Sharp's going to come up to me afterwards, and I'm just going to tell you what he's going to do. Will you preach that again next Wednesday night? No, get the CD. He came to me one time. I preached a sermon called, um, what's the other guy on the cross? What, what is it? The, I'm an innocent man. And I preached on, on Barabbas um, was on the cross, fixing to be uh, nailed to the cross because of murder. And they came in the jail cell that morning and they opened it up and they said, you can go home. And he went, excuse me? And he said, someone took your place. You are an innocent man. No matter what happened to you, when they opened that jail cell and we're going to send you to the cross, someone took your place. And Barabbas went home free. So Don comes and said, will you preach that again? I said, get the CD. (laughs) I don't know if he ever did or not. He probably did. But that was a good sermon, wasn't it? It was. Ephesians, Ephesians 4.32. Don't you love the Bible? And and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. The first thing you had to forgive yourself, the next one's forgive others. I find it harder to forgive me. And I I think it's because I... I, I put, I have a very high expectation of me. 
And I had to learn to leave it alone. And I'll tell you why, and I'm not, I'm not throwing church people under the bus. When you pastor and you screw up, people will bring it to your remembrance. And in order to keep from hearing it, you try to be more perfect. And it don't work because you're never going to be perfect. You have to get to the place to where you're happy in your skin being imperfect. You understand what I just said? When, in the world we're living in, there will always be somebody that will bring up what you did. They're, they're just there. You're going to have to go under the blood. That's under the blood. Lisa and I around the house, we'll be talking about something. We'll go, it's under the blood. It's under the blood. It doesn't exist. We just don't talk about it. Now, the next one is people. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God. I wish we would do this. I really wish we'd do this. We, we're in a church full of people. And everybody around us has faults. Do you want them to constantly see the bad or do you want them to look for the good? Why can't we live by do unto others? Wouldn't that make church better? It really would. Because people want a safe place to go where they're accepted while they're growing. So the old adage, I ain't going to church full of hypocrites. Well, join us because you are. But, but, and I want you to understand this. Every time you got your finger pointed at somebody, you, you've, got, you've got three more pointed back at you. If you turned that ability to find fault on you, it would do the whole world a great service. And I'm going to say something else to you. Just, you can do what you want to with this. When people don't like seeing you, they're talking about you. Yeah. How you doing? Good to see you. That's not right. <laughs> God bless. You're Greg. I love you. What's the difference? I ain't been talking about him. I ain't known him that long. Just give me a little bit. So I'm going to tell you how to forgive people. Pray for them. You want to take a pound to hide off you? Pray for people who do you wrong. You get down and pray for their soul. Father, they don't know what they're doing. Help them out. Bless them. I mean, now you're going to have to come against your own prayer. And you'll find out that you pray for someone enough, you'll actually start liking them. This is true. So if there's people that you're avoiding right now, start praying for them. Because they're doing, you're just as bad as they are. But God forgave you. We're not going to get into the rest of that. And the next one is, how are we doing for time? Oh, my God, we're running out of time here. What happened is reach forward. Go to Ecclesiastes 5. Woo! Go 
Now that we've got the past behind us, now that we've got the unforgiveness out, got your joy back, Ecclesiastes. What a wonderful book. And I don't know anybody ever preaches from it but me. Ecclesiastes 5. 18. Here is what I have seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and enjoy the good of his labor, which he toils under the sun all the days of his life, which God gives him, for it is his heritage. We're going to talk about living for today and living your dream. We're going to talk about both of them. But sometimes we get so into our dream, we don't enjoy the day. I love spending time with my wife. No matter where we are, what we're doing, I just love being with her. But we have to learn to savor that moment because that moment will be gone. And it will become a memory. If I'm so focused on next Sunday that I'm not even paying attention to the fact that I'm sitting with her and we're carrying on a conversation and we're doing something fun together, then then. All that Jesus did, he did it so I would have a good life. But if I'm not even enjoying the life I have because I'm, not, I'm, because I'm always going somewhere, more important than where I am, and where I am is where I used to be going that I couldn't wait till I got here, and now that I'm here, I'm not enjoying where I am because I'm thinking about where I'm going. What's wrong with enjoying the day? What's wrong with enjoying the moment? I wake up in the morning going, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be good. This is a good day. We're going to have a cup of coffee this morning. We're going to have a keto donut this morning. Glory to God. Wednesday night, I'm going to go down there and preach. I'm going to have a good time in church tonight. Glory to God. I'm going to have fun today. More ain't here yet. One thing more tomorrow, it never comes. Oh, glory, I'm doing real good. Let me finish reading this. Let me finish reading this. For every man whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it receives his heritage and rejoices in labor. This is the gift of God. Enjoy your life. Forget about yesterday. Enjoy your life. Yeah, well, you don't know what happened to me yesterday. I, it, forget it. The woman at the well, how many husbands did she have? Was it four or five? I'm not that big of a theologian. Five, thank you, Mike. But she met Jesus. It didn't matter about number one, two, three, four, or five. She just met Jesus. She's got a great future ahead of her after meeting this guy at the well. In other words, she screwed up once. And Jesus did not condemn her for it. And he met her. And today is a good day. Let's go. And she went back in the town. And all the people there, that's why she was alone. Because no one would run around with her. But she met Jesus and she went into town preaching, I met him. Amen. She, the local bad woman, I was looking for a word, brought revival to the town. Say, my past is not stopping me. All right, I'm not done yet. I got one. I got two more. I got... 
9, Ecclesiastes 9, 5. Go to 9, chapter 9. For the living know that they will die. <laughs> Some people don't know it. But the dead, they don't know nothing. And they have no more reward. And the memory of them is forgotten. And their love and their hatred and their envy is perished. And nevermore will they have a share in anything done under the sun. So, eat your bread with joy, drink your wine with a merry heart, and God has already accepted your works, and let your garments always be white, and your head lack no oil. <laughs> now, here's something Lisa says all the time, and let me just tell you. Don't wait till they're dead to tell them that you liked them. Mom, oh, God, why are you waiting until she's cold on a slab to tell her you loved her? Call her tonight and tell her that you love her. Mom, I know you ain't dead yet, but glory to God, I love you. And I'm going to brag on my wife a little bit. She said to me when her mother was getting older, she said, I will not live with regret. I will love my mother now. And she went to her house, and she spent time with her, and she helped her mother, and out of the family, she's the only one that did. Everyone else is crying at the funeral. Lisa's going, she's with Jesus. Enjoy your family now. Enjoy your imperfect kids and grandkids. They're looking for someone that will love them in all their junk. Okay, boy, I'm doing real good. All right, all right. I'm not done here. Live joyfully with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life. We have given you under the sun all of your days of vanity, for it is your portion in life and the labor which you perform under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. There is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you're going. If you're going to do it, do it now, Frank. Get married now. <laughs> I'm just going to pick on Frank a little bit tonight. It's not Frank's night to get picked on. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? Well, my ship hadn't come in. Swim out to it. <laughs> All right. I think I got another scripture here. I'm not sure. Jeremiah 29. Let's go there. I'm done. 29:11. I'm done. Say, boy, I'm glad I came to church tonight. <laughs> Wasn't that a good video at the beginning of it when he talked about that? When God puts your life back together, you are more valuable now than you've ever been before. Amen. 29.11, 29.11. Y'all know what this says. For I know the thoughts. This is God talking to you right now. I know the thoughts I'm thinking about you right this minute, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. A future and hope. Call on me. Pray to me. I will listen to you. Seek me. You'll find me. Search for me with all your heart. I'll be found by you, says the Lord, and I'll bring you back from all your captivity, and I'll gather you from the nations that I drove you. Say, my best days are ahead of me. Don't allow anything to hinder you. You and God are a majority. And majority's rule. If you're waiting on everybody else, forget it. 
God believes in you. He's got a good life for you. Forget about all the stuff that happened when you were a kid and all of the messes you made. Tonight. Put it behind you tonight. Forget it. Don't even bring it up in conversation. Go tonight. I'm brand new. I'm forgiven. I'm washed. And my future's good. I'm a better pilot than I used to be. I'm a better pastor today than I've ever been. Cost me something to get here. Made some mistakes. It doesn't define me. Lisa and I have a friend, a young lady, who messed up a marriage. She messed it up. She wrote a book. This, I will not be remembered for this. This does not define me. Well, I mean, that's a powerful, powerful thing to grab a hold of. Because the world looks at us and they want to brand you. God don't brand you. He made you right. You ready to pray? Father God, what a great night we had here in church in your presence, in your word. Your word says we're the righteousness of God. I pray that everybody in the sound of my voice right this minute, whatever's haunted them about their past, I pray they would turn to the devil and say, shut up. You get out of my life. If God is for me, who could be against me? God declares me not right, not guilty. God declares me right with him. And he said, I have a future and a hope. And right now, while I'm on this planet, I'm going to get happy <laughs> because of Jesus. And I'm going to give him glory and I'm going to go home tonight and have the best night of my life and just eat some sugar-free ice cream in Jesus' name. Keto ice cream, that stuff is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Say hallelujah. Say my best days are ahead. Jesus putting me back together again. And I'm better than I was. <laughs> y'all are actually fun to preach to now. What happened, y'all? We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button. Or you can text 